Hey guys, it's Sam here. Before I bring you this week's episode, I wanted to talk about um, what happened in Las Vegas last week really shortly. Uh, last week's episode came out right afterward and it was a little too late to add something to it. It was already published, but I wanted to acknowledge what happened. Um, this week's guest, Monica, was actually at the hotel when it happened. She's fine. Um as fine as she can be after being involved in something like that. Um, But I think that it's important to acknowledge that this happened and it affects every single one of us, whether we knew someone there or not, because it affected families and humans. And it's hard in times like these to justify um, the jobs that we do because we're actors and it feels like we play pretend all the time. Uh, But I just want to acknowledge the fact that everyone is doing what they can with what they have. So regardless of what you do for a living, I think it's important right now to share the love somehow however you choose to do that, um, go give some blood. I did that. Um, you know, send someone a letter, send some prayers. If that's what you need to do for yourself, just put something positive out there in the world. I think that everything we do matters. And I think that as actors, our job is to show real emotion to the world and bring a good story. And I don't think I don't think that it matters any less in times like this. I think that it almost matters more. And I can't put it into words really without kind of losing it, but I just wanted to tell you that and to tell you that I think you're important and I love all of you and we're all in this together, not just this industry world. I mean like life in general. So go do something good for the world today, no matter what that is. Okay. Um, back to the episode. How's it going? Sam Valentine here, aka One Broke Actress, with another episode for you this week. What's up? I can't tell you how excited I am, and I know I say excited every week, and if you have any other good adjective recommendations, please send them to me, but I am so excited. This week's episode is with Monica Barquette. She is an agent from Global Artist Agency, and we decided we were going to sit and chat for a bit and record an episode. But we ended up chatting for over two hours. So here's the deal. I've split this into two episodes. So you're going to get one part today and one part this coming Thursday. So make sure you are subscribed. Listen, if you want to leave a rating and review, nobody's mad about that. But make sure you are subscribed and that way you'll get both episodes in your inbox this week. In this particular one, we cover everything from 
Monica's recommendations as to how actors can continue to be creative in this field, what our homework should be, what we should all be working on. She tells us what questions she specifically asks when she brings in actors, when she's looking for new talent, how she has learned the difference between a good self-tape and a great self-tape, and so much more. So buckle up, get on board, and make sure you tune in at the end of the episode because I have a special announcement for you. Oh, and I should let you know that she and I actually got started in our conversation a little bit before we um, started recording the podcast. So the beginning of this is going to come in on the middle of a conversation we were having about when is the best time to start acting in L.A. So without further ado, please enjoy Monica Barquette. Okay, so wait, what were you saying about, so I was going to say, if anyone from out of town who has a child that wants to get into acting or is thinking, any young adult that wants to come and get into acting, my advice to them is always to come as early as you can because it takes, as you said, it takes time. When you get here, you have to figure, it's not just the business out, but you have to figure out the town, you have to figure out kind of who you are, (laughs) you have to figure out who you are, you have to figure out your personality, your routine. And it takes a minute. And I always say, but if you come when you're 18, you're not going to get your feet on the ground and you're not going to feel like you've got this, like grounded and ready to go until you're probably 22. And so now you've been four years of maybe good auditions, maybe half, half, half and half good auditions, maybe not really. your name in the room with that. Exactly. And so I always say, come when you're 16, you're still going out for, for high school, mm-hmm. you're getting your feet wet, they don't expect you to have a major huge resume, they don't expect you to be perfect, Right. They, they're more forgiving because you're young, you're playing high school, so by the time you get to be 18, 19, 20, which is, that would have been the same four years if you came out when you were 18, by that time you're still able to play high school, now you are you have a little bit of experience under your belt. Mm-hmm. You've kind of figured out the audition room. You've figured out who you are as an actress, what it takes to get ready, how much time you need, how to feel comfortable, how to audition. Mm-hmm. So by that time, you can still take off playing high school and then you've got your whole career ahead of you. If you come in at 18, and some people like you can... So I came at uh, 22? At 22, <laughs> And where you get lucky, because not a lot of people have that, is that you have a very youthful look. So you can still play a lot younger than your age. Mm -hmm. So you can fake it. Like, you'll be able to still fake it for a while. Which I'm trying to very hard. (laughs) Yes. But there are some people who just can't. So when they come in when they're 18 and they don't really get it, they don't really figure themselves out until they're 22, 24. Now, at that point, they're playing mid-20s and going up against people that already have now a big resume from when they started at 18. So now their competition is people who've been acting since they were 18 because they've been here since they were 16. Yeah. And now they're almost three or four steps behind. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what it feels like sometimes, <laughs> especially when I first got here because it's been oh, over six years now. Yeah. So now it's like I'm kind of – I'm just here now. Like I just, sure. I know exactly what I'm, I don't know exactly what I'm doing, but like I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. Right. But I, but six years is a long time. It's six a long time. years is a long enough for it's you. It's long enough for a lot of people to quit. It's long enough for a lot of people <laughs> to quit. It's also long enough though for you to know 
who you are as an actress now, what you have to do to be prepared and perfect for you in that room. And so now you're ready. Now you're ready. Yeah. Now you're ready. So it's great that you can still play a lot younger than your age because now you're going to feel like those people who... But I'm going to be higher in my bracket than... You're going to be a little higher in your bracket, but you're also going to have experience. Yeah. Life experience is huge in this business. You have to have something to draw from. So you can only play that flighty, you know, kind of surfacey type character for so long Mm -hmm. before that is going to be no longer the roles you're going to go out for. And then you're going to have to have some type of experience to be able to be convincing be like a, an interesting human. An interesting human. <laughs> and to play a role that has some some weight to it. Yeah, which is... So, so it's good. You're in a good place still. And you can never look back and, and be mad at... No, because I know. definitely wasn't ready. I was not ready to be here when I was 18. Oh, my God. I'm just picturing it. <laughs> I hear you. This is my second career, so I get it. Like, <laughs> Wait, what was your first career? I don't think I knew I was this. a baseball agent. Oh, that's right. Yeah. So, wait, how did you get to to where you are now because it's a very interesting path and I think that choosing to be an agent is like a certain type of person and just like choosing to be an actor is a certain type of person like yep you know there's stereotypes of all of us so I'm curious like how what got you here so I worked in representation but obviously I worked with athletes instead of actors and I quit working in sports because it's a very different type of business Mm -hmm. where Essentially, without it this sounding demeaning at all, mm-hmm. when you represent actors, you're selling people. I, my, I'm a salesperson, and I, and I sell people. Yeah. In sports, you can't really sell your client. Their stats sell themselves. So my job really was just to negotiate a contract. And in sports these days, they do big, huge, multi-year contracts. So if we did a 10-year deal... The rest of that 10 years after you negotiate that contract, you're, you become an assistant, really, to these people. So you become, like side of the- so you just, you kind of become like an assistant. And I didn't go to school and I didn't, you know, and spend all that money <laughs> to have an education to literally be a personal assistant. Because that's what, after you do the one thing that you're really hired to do, which is, you know, negotiate a contract and get them the best deal possible then really what are you doing? Like, because I I worked at baseball. So during spring training, I was like setting up their apartment for spring training and setting up their electricity and getting their cable set up. (laughs) And, you know. It feels very managerial though. But so in sports, there isn't separate. Their agent is their manager, is their publicist, is their business manager, is their everything. So Jerry Maguire is real. Is real. (laughs) Jerry Maguire is one 100% real. You literally do everything for the athlete. So in our business, it's a little bit different. So when I moved out to LA, uh, there was two reasons. One, I just wanted to leave sports completely. And when I spent that many years doing what I did, it doesn't so much translate to anything else. So you kind of have to, either I was going to go back to practice law because that, you know, that was what I graduated law school. You have to be a, a lawyer to be a sports agent. Back then you did. Now I think that they kind of have an umbrella of companies where you don't have to be anymore. Okay. But you did then. Oh, I didn't know that. So here, when I left that, it was either go practice law, which I never wanted to do. I went to law school to be an agent, so I didn't want to go just practice traditional law. Um, 
And I had a bunch of friends. I lived in New York. That's where I did that. And I had a bunch of friends who all went to drama school and Tisch and NYU and all those schools. And they were all moving out here once they graduated to act, produce, direct, write. And I thought, well, why don't I give that a shot since I'm just done with sports? So when I moved out here, uh, Andy Dick was my neighbor who lived across the street. Really? And he was creating the Andy Dick show at the time. He was coming oh God, up with I remember it. remember that. And he used to come across the street to our house. I, I lived with another girl I went to law school with, her sister, and then another girl from New York. And he would ask our advice. And so it was, it made me realize there was a, a much more creative side to representation where, you, yes, you're going to negotiate contracts. You're going to try and procure work, mm-hmm. try and get auditions and jobs for your actors. But there's a creative side too. You can have a, 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 an opinion and, a, and a, a creative side to moving your clients' careers forward. And by working with him and putting that show together with him, he not only opened my eyes to kind of what the other side of not just representation, but kind of producing, I guess, would be mm-hmm. a good word for it, even though I never wanted to be a producer, but to show that there is another whole aspect to our business, not just the negotiating part. Yeah. I don't I don't then just become a personal assistant. I can go and read a bunch of scripts. I can find you really set up Andy Dick's cable package. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, I, I was never his agent. Let me be very clear. He was just my neighbor. But he did open our eyes a lot to like where the business was and how easy it could be to be creative. Yeah. And so for me, it was, yes, you can still have the negotiating side. You can still have, like, the business side and use that. But then you can also cross to the other side of your brain. And when there isn't an, a job to be negotiated, if there isn't a contract to be negotiated, there still is where you can go and read scripts and you can come up with ideas. You can brainstorm with your clients and figure out, okay, when it's slow for them, like now we were mm-hmm. talking about where the diversity is the big push in the business. So what do you do with your white clients? Well, let's figure out how to be creative to where, sure, we, I can just send you on a bunch of auditions, but that's probably not going to get you anywhere right this moment in right. the business. So what can we do? So can we put you together with some writers, with some directors? Let's do some short films. Let's, you know, I can read some interesting material and say, hey, why don't we try and do this together? Why don't, why don't I put this together for you? So even though you're not going in and auditioning right now, we can at least get something up on the internet, have something to show. There's I mean, a whole other side to it. Yeah. So it doesn't get boring. That's, that makes it sound much more interesting than I think I've ever heard it described. It's just, it's a, it's a different way to kind of look at the business side of our business because unfortunately when I started in the business in 1999, it was very creative. There was a lot more studios. There was a lot more job opportunities. And I know that people say, oh, but there's so much more TV now because of Netflix and all the internet stuff. It's not. That's not, in fact, true. Yeah, but if you look at who's getting cast, it's... (laughs) Exactly. There is a quarter of the amount of films being made. So all the film people have come to television. So even though there, yes, there is more platforms for TV, there's so much less film that... TV is where we used to get people started. Mm-hmm. Yes. I now there is not that place to really get them started because the TV stars have now bumped to the middle ground. The movie stars have, are now taking the top roles. The people who would normally get the middle roles are now just take, getting the guest stars. So to break someone into the business, it's tough. Yeah. In television. In film, 
The problem with film is that there's a ton of film being made independent, independently. Yeah. But just being real, 98% of it doesn't ever get seen. Yes. So it's not going to do anything for you, but give you a piece for your demo reel. And if it's not anything that anybody knows, it almost doesn't even matter. Or with someone that someone knows. Exactly. So what it does for you as an actor is it gives you experience on a set. It gives you, it gives you the opportunity to create, to create a character, to do some scene work, to do, you know, to, to dig deep and do something that maybe you've never done before. It's not a bad thing to do it. I 100% encourage anybody to, to do as many films as they can, if they can, television for that matter. But in our business, in a business, putting your business hat on, it's not going to move your career forward unless that movie does something in the film festival route, if it gets some type of a release, if somehow it gets talked about, if it gets some kind of heat on it, in that way, on a business side. But on a creative side, and for an actor, for a writer, for a director, for a producer, any of those people, it's great experience. Yes. Absolutely. So I'm not, I'm certainly not saying don't do it. Oh no, and that's why I encourage people when I when I hear friends are like, oh, I'm, I've got my like this film coming up. I haven't worked in so long, and I'm like, cool. Listen, listen a lot. Like learn yep. what that light's called. Yep. Learn what that camera lens is called because it's just nice yep. to know. Also, and you never know when it'll serve you. It's just I love to listen. I. Well, it's I love it's it. it's. By the way, everyone has to start somewhere. So that director could then go on and do something huge later. Yeah. And if you worked with him or sh- or her when on their very first project, they're going to remember that and it's going to translate later. I have a client who worked with a director on his very, very, very first film. Now he's a huge director doing huge DC comic movies. Oh, and he has been cast in every single one because that director will never forget that he did in that favor and worked with a first-time director on a little tiny small project and for people, no money. <laughs> when people ask what networking is, that is what networking is. And that's is. exactly what it is. And you just don't know who these people are. It, this business is so hard. You have no idea where to start. Nobody does. They come to this they come to LA and there's no school for it. There's no there's no right or wrong. No. And you just don't know where that first opportunity or that seventh opportunity that's going to become the opportunity <laughs> that's going to be your gateway into the business. Yeah. And that's why I always say you just, everyone starts somewhere. You just don't know who that actor that you're acting opposite is, who that director, who is that first time director that just got graduated from film school, the writer, whoever. You just don't know. And we play the lottery every day. This business is X plus Y does not equal Z ever. <laughs> That's so true. Ever. <laughs> we literally play the lottery. Agents do, managers do, producers do, everyone, actors especially. Every day you're going in hoping that you're going to hit the jackpot because oh, yeah. it just takes one. And that's the worst and best part of this business, yep. I think. Is 100%. Tomorrow, I could be in a completely different place than I was today. Yep. And that is cool and that is terrifying. 100%. It could never happen or it could happen yep. literally tonight. Yep. What's interesting about this business, especially, you know, 
creating characters and when people write films and television and, and, and write these stories, they have someone in their, in mind always. They always have someone in mind when they're writing it. And you can be that person that they had in mind. Maybe not exactly the person because that person probably was their mom or their friend or their boyfriend or their girlfriend or someone they knew. Mm -hmm. But if you resemble that person in any way, your resume won't even matter. You can walk in and just be that person and it will change your life. And that is why I tell everybody, if this business is what you really want to do, you'll still be here. Every year that you don't get that job that you were begging for, if that lets you down, then it's not meant for you because you have to believe that that role is just right around the corner. And it is. Mm-hmm. Everyone everyone eventually will get that role. You I've, just have to stick it out. I totally, I totally believe that too. And it doesn't mean, listen, I've laid on my floor and cried quite a few times. Don't worry. So have I. <laughs> As an agent, let me tell you all my stories. Like, I can tell you how many times I've had clients test for pilots, be one of two people for, like, their, like, life-changing, career-changing job, and they don't get it. And I lay on my floor, and I cry because I feel it. And I'm like, yes, it's going to happen. We worked so hard for this. And then you get the news, and it's not your client. Oh, yeah. So I'll give, I'll give you a really good story. Yeah, this is interesting because I feel like we never hear about – Oh, you never your, hear those you stories. you get the call from an agent, and they're like – it's not you, and you're like, oh, they've moved on with their day. Like, so oh, no. tell me. Tell I'll, me. I'll give you a really good story. So I have a client that I've had for a very long time, and he's older, and he's character and as we know, like the char- character actors just don't really get the respect as much as like a leading actor does, no matter how much their, you know, their their career is amazing and how many great things they've done. And, and so he is a solid, solid, solid actor, respected to where every pilot season – he gets great opportunities. He oftentimes tests. Back in the day when it was a better business, he would book every season, you know, but these last couple years, it's been tough. And so two years ago, two pilot seasons ago, he really wanted this pilot so badly. And um, he had three different pilots that were like all wanting to test him and we had to make a decision because they were testing at the same time. So you can't, Ugh. you can't test against all of them. Yeah. I mean, I know I can't wait to have those problems, but also I can't imagine having those problems. It's, trust me, <sighs> trust me, it's, it's just as bad as not having the problem. Really? I, I promise you. Like, yes. It, and it's torturous for everybody. That's good to know. <laughs> and so he chose the one that he was going to test for. And because he's been in the business a long time, he's very pragmatic about it. Like he just, he just knows, you know what, this is the choice I made. And if I don't get it, it's a choice I made. And then we'll just have to move on. And it is what it is. There'll be other stuff later. So it's a very grown up and, ideology of it. And let me tell you something that's way more mature than my the way I think, <laughs> because here I am pulling my hair out, like waiting every moment for that result. And when I got the result that he didn't get it, I broke down in tears. And his manager called me and said, we have to call him and tell him. He's going to find out. Someone is going to tell him. Yeah, or Deadline is going to tell him. Deadline is going to release it. One of the producers probably knows him. They'll probably send him an email. So sorry, dude, you didn't get it. Like, So we had to call right away. And I, so I said to his manager, okay, let's call but you talk because I'm a mess because I'm heartbroken for him right now. He just had to, you know, he's got two little babies and it was a whole thing. And 
So when we called, his manager broke the news. I'm on the line. And he just said, all right, let me know what's up next. And he was so, like, okay with it. And I started bawling. On the phone. On the phone. (laughs) And he says to me, Monica, are you okay? And I'm like, no. Oh, my God, I'm heartbroken. I was... I truly thought you were going to get this, and I'm so sorry. I know this is the one you really wanted. I was a bumbling mess. And he was like, Monica, it's cool. Don't worry. There'll, there'll be another one coming up. And he, t- he pep-talked He <laughs> talked me off the ledge. <laughs> and, I, and I was like, oh, my gosh, you're taking this way better than I am. And he's like, he's like, look, this is the way the business is. It happens to me every year. Like, you win some, you lose some. Don't worry. Like, we're going to get another one. And it's really hard not to get invested. That's the thing. You you, Especially as an actor, you have to fall in love with these, like, you have to fall in love with these characters. And you have to be like, I'm all in. And then the second story, you have to be like, I'm all out. But the problem is, too, is you have to think about it. When you're all, you have to convince yourself and be invested. Because if you're all in, you do a seven-year deal. Yes. And th- okay. So I haven't I haven't been in a, te- a network test yet. So I haven't signed contracts and gone through that portion of it. But I have had big like commercial auditions where it's like this could potentially like y- you see the buyout and you're or like you know the scale and the play of it and you're like oh this is an amount of money that could literally change my life. But you it's like it- it's such a weird mind game because you're like do I let myself think about it or do yeah. I block it out or right. like. And so there's a little bit of, you have to, you have to have a little bit of both. And I always say, I would not still be in this business right now if I, if I didn't get emotional and break down like that every now and then. Yeah. Sure. You have to be tough and you have to be tough for your clients and you have to, you know what? Don't worry. We're going to get the next one because it's true. And everybody who knows me knows that I will tell you, I am just as heartbroken as you are. I know how badly you wanted it. I wanted this for you. Like this could have done huge things. But don't worry, there's going to be another one. But don't let me fool you either. Like, please, hang up the phone and scream. Cry. Do what you need to do to get it out. Yeah. And then we'll move on. Because trust me, I, I screamed and I cried too. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, I can move on and we're good. Yeah. But, but you have to let it out. Especially, oh my God, as an actor, if you don't do this, by the way, you have to let it out or else that energy follows you into the next room. It does. And, then you're- and, and we'll get into that in a second. But what I was also going to say is that same to be able to have that type of emotion over over a job or over an audition or something that you get really close to, if you're not that excited about it, if, it, if you really can say, eh, whatever, it's cool. And not that my client didn't. He's just much older than we are. Yeah. And he's been there and he's been heartbroken enough, but he's also been fortunate enough to be on the other side of it. So he, he was able to take it a little better and not to say that maybe when we hung up, maybe he didn't cry. I don't know. You know, you cry he kept, alone in your he's car. a dude. He kept it really cool. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll his uh, kids, maybe he cried alone. It's he fine. Might have. You can he cry might alone. Have. Exactly. <laughs> but it's the same way when you do get a job. So when you are on the other side of the coin and I can call you up and say, Oh my God, you got the job and we can both scream and be excited and cry. And it, if you can do that still too, mm-hmm. then this is going to be a long business for you. You know, oh, there I are people that. who who will get, you know, they're just like, oh, I got the job, great. 
and they get so so numb almost to it because they're convincing themselves that if I'm not numb to it, then I'm going to get heartbroken. I'm going to get bitter. Mm-hmm. So there, it really is a fine line of how you carry yourself. And I tell every actor, get invested. Do all your research before you go into an audition. And when I say all your research, watch at least one show, one episode of every show on television. Know the tones. Know the shows beforehand. Don't wait till you get sides because you've got maybe 12 hours if you're lucky right. <laughs> to learn your material. It, so at that time, what? Then now you're going to try and like find an episode of the show to see what the tone is and you're do the research on the director and the, the showrunner and the per- it, it, it's too late. Well, then it seems like uh, too much information too. If you take it all in at once, yep. which I've, I've done that several times. It's I've, overload. I've seen, you know, a show I haven't seen before and I'll, I'll try and watch, you know, the latest season and while I'm on IMDb, while I'm on deadline, like yep. other showrunners and it's a mess. And then you're like, what's my lines again? Because you, you, clouded, you clouded your brain. And yes. that's why I say as an actor, I don't care how old you are. I don't care when you came to the business. I don't care if you've been in the business a million years. Every single year, there's new product. You have to know your product. It's just like if I was a salesperson. If I'm going into you know, doctor's offices trying to sell them a medical device, and if I don't know my product, the new <laughs> latest version of it, what's the difference from last year's version to this year's version, I'm not going to sell it. It's the same thing as an actor. If you just go in reading this, you can memorize the sides, you can read the character description, and you could play that character perfectly just based on the two pages you got. But if you didn't realize that this is a dramedy and not a heavy drama, right. or if you didn't realize this is cable where they really will go edgy as opposed to prime time where it's going to be much more surfaced and fluffy, you're going to go in with the probably doing a great job of what's right on that page but it's not the right tone which it's is not, not the right people though it's not the right style it's not the right showrunners even if you do your research even on a showrunner if a showrunner did er and third watch and shameless in southland you see a tone there mm-hmm. these are all very gritty very edgy very you know push the envelope type dialogue, biting, the characters that they always cast are not your necessarily pretty people. They're more real. Mm-hmm. And and so if you go in there all dolled up and acting like you're going out for an audition for Desperate Housewives, yes. you're not going to get that job. And the problem is when it's a pilot, you don't have something to judge it by. So right. that's where you have to do your research with the showrunner because a showrunner sells his product – based on his previous shows, his reputation, how he writes. And I think that the word research sometimes gets overwhelming to people, but like, hi, Google. It's like, it literally takes, it. you don't have to sit down and like pull out the microfiche at like the library. It's like 10 minutes on your computer and you are pretty familiar. By the way, no high school students <laughs> can even know what a microfiche is. And I talk about that all the time. My assistant has zero idea those. what microfiche is. He doesn't know what the Dewey Decimal System is. Like you have to watch The Ring. Yes, that's like the last exactly. movie, and it has a VCR in it too. Exactly. So just, just exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But research. So going back to what I was saying before, you have to, as an actor, get up every day and treat it like college. Treat it like a job. Get up and say, okay, today I'm going to watch one episode of five new shows I've never seen. 
So now I've done that. What a fun job, you guys. And really. We did the best job. And then I'm going to go watch one movie with, you know, from like 1965 that won an Oscar from a director or from a producer that is still in the business that is still making movies. If you can have a creative conversation with any writer, any director, any producer, studio executive, anybody about their work, that's going to go a hell of a long way further than just the audition you did in the room. And a lot of times they will ask you a question or two. And if you can segue that question, that answer Mm -hmm. into something that why you respect their work, why you that why you were excited to audition for this because you saw that movie they did or that pilot that they created that didn't get picked up but you thought was so interesting. It's going to it's going to go a lot further. Oh, I and love you that. can't do that homework in 9 hours. Mm-hmm. Those are things that have to live with you. And so I always say, if you're an actor and you can't tell me who won best supporting actor or best actress in a comedy or a drama or in, in, in a movie, won an Oscar in a movie last year, then you don't care about this business because that should be what your, your aspirations are, is to get to a place where that's where you are. You have to be able to respect and appreciate not only the work that's out there, and you don't have to agree with it. You don't have to agree with the win, but no. you have to be able to respect it. And if you can figure out their path on how they got there, it will help you create yours. And everybody has their own path. But if you really go back and look at the different careers, paths of all these people, you'll figure out what works best for you. You take what works, you throw out what doesn't. And like I said, X plus Y doesn't equal Z in this business. But you can create how you want it to go. But you have to use the people who've had success. And if you can kind of tailor your path to the people who have success, you'll get there. It might mm-hmm. take time, but you'll get there. You're like basically doing this whole interview for me. This is so great. <laughs> You're making this so way too easy on me. Well, let me make this more about uh, like an agency perspective okay. because I love – that acting advice and I I should probably watch more shows I probably don't watch enough TV what for you and you can be as vague or as specific as you want but what attracts you to new talent because a lot of the people who read the site and like are friends of mine and stuff are people who are either like looking for new representation or some haven't been represented before or some you know aren't really sure what gets them in the door so like what do you look for when well, you're picking up new talent. So that's exactly why I was saying all of that stuff before. So when I, if, however they end up in my, in my conference room sitting mm-hmm. for, you know, for a meeting for representation, those are the type of questions I ask them. What are your favorite TV shows? What movies, if there was one movie that you've seen in your entire lifetime, I don't care if it's E.T. from when you were 10 years old <laughs> or, you know, Dunkirk, which is about to come out now. Like, I don't care mm-hmm. what movie it is. What, what challenges you, what, what inspires you? Why are you doing this business? I've had actors walk, sit in my, sit in my conference room and tell me, well, I don't own a TV. I don't watch TV. And that is the number one, like right there, you're out my door. You're out my door because 
I don't know if they think that's cool to say or that. I think it's like a hipstery thing a hip, to say. Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> you're, that's like me saying, I don't read scripts. Right. <laughs> I'm a great agent, but I don't read scripts. I just pitch. Right. Like, so for me, it's really about finding somebody who, because look, not everyone's going to have, you've got to start somewhere. So not mm-hmm. everyone's going to have a huge career, a, a resume that, you know, that you're like, oh, okay, well, I, you must be really good if you've booked this, this, and this. Okay, you've got to start somewhere. So I can watch your demo reel and say, okay, I, there's talent there. I see raw talent. Might not, you might not have booked a ton of stuff, but the stuff I do see, I see good potential. Asterisk, okay, we're going to go back to that demo And we'll reels. go back to that. <laughs> but that all is great. It's great because if you didn't have that, then you know, you wouldn't be you here probably at wouldn't all. end up in your office. So, but, but to me, that's just the bottom of the barrel. If some actor says, well, I was prepared for the audition. I memorized the lines. Well, guess what? I can memorize lines. <laughs> I'm not an actress. Right. But I can promise you that I could sit the night before with sides and memorize lines. Yeah. So that to me... When an, act, when an actor says to me, but I was prepared, I, I nailed that audition, I was off book. And? Great. Well, I could be off book too. <laughs> oh, awesome. My mom actually called me for memorization advice last week and I was like, how deep do you want to go? With exactly. This? <laughs> exactly. So for me, it's really about finding people who truly love the business. And when I say love the business, there are a lot of actors who come to town who just want to quote unquote be famous. And they think it's going to fall in their lap because they were homecoming queen, homecoming king. They were captain of their football team, the captain of the cheerleading squad. They're the most popular, the prettiest. And they think they're just, they're just going to come here and it's just going to fall in their lap. I don't want you. Mm-hmm. Because if I have to work harder than you do to get a job, we're never going to be successful together. Because I can't book a job for anybody. All I can do is put you in the room. And these days, like we talked about, it's a little bit of a different business now. The competition's a lot harder. You can't just be good. Or pretty. Or pretty. You don't get to be just pretty anymore. You can't just be <laughs> one of anything. Because you, you could be the best actor on the planet. But if you've got a bad reputation or you carry yourself in a way that turns people off... If your personality is something to where the producer or director says, I'm not working with that person for the next five weeks, I'd rather take the next best actor who has the whole package than the one who is a little bit better, but I don't want to be around. There is a whole package, and we call it the it thing, and you can't really put your finger on what that it thing is because everybody's it thing is different. Mm -hmm. I always like to use the example of someone like Channing Tatum who came out to this, who came out here into this business and was he the best actor that was out there? Probably not. No one is the best actor when they come out, but his personality, his enthusiasm for the business, his love for filmmaking, for film, for television was so apparent. And so he wore his heart on his sleeve. He was so excited and so please tell me what to do. Nothing was going to phase that guy. And he was the, also the guy who says, you tell me what to do and I'll do it and I'm going to prove it to you. And if I do it wrong, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do it again. <laughs> and I don't know if I never knew this about him. And the thing about that is 
it has to be genuine because you could tell if someone's forcing that. Yes. And so it really is about digging deep into who you are and finding that it thing. What is that it thing? And there are some people who that it thing is completely undescribable. Then there are the people where you say, well, look, this person is has so much they're they're right there they're almost like the greatest actor they're but they're right there it's it's close enough but their personality is infectious people want to want to work with them if you ask them any question about any movie any television show they can have a, a creative conversation with you an intelligent conversation with you and you can truly sense the love of the business from them and that goes a lot further than the snooty actor who comes out of name whatever you think is the best acting school at the time. I don't know. I hate most of them. So. And <laughs> most people do. And most people do because it's a vibe. Yeah. And you have to remember that the business is, as much as it's creative, it's also a business. There's a business side to it. And then there's a social side to it because you spend a lot of time with these people on these TV sets, movie sets, you know, and so it goes a long way. So when someone sits across the room from me and I'm questioning them about, you know, okay, why are you here? What's your favorite movie? Who's your favorite actress? Who is your favorite actor? If there is one TV show on the air, doesn't have to be your favorite show, but you know yourself as an actor that you say, I fit in this show. What is it? And when I see the look on an actor's face where all of a sudden they're just dumbfounded because they can't even name me one show on television. It, it means to me that they're, they're really not as invested in their career as they think they are. And not to say that they don't want to be, they just don't know better. Yeah. And I mean, it might be the first time they've been asked those yep. questions and it, and, ever. It, and it might be, <laughs> but all of those things are just as important as memorizing lines on, on, you're not going to get a job with just by memorizing lines. So for me, it's really about digging deep into the person and finding out, yeah, how long have you been here? Where are you from? How many brothers and sisters do you have? You know, what has, like, what brought you here? What types of, of shows and movies have inspired you? What actors have inspired you? Because that's going to tell me a lot about the longevity of their career, why they're here, what their passion is, what they, where they are now and where they ultimately want to get. And it's interesting because everybody has a different story and everybody has, most actors are going to have an answer. I can just tell whether or not it's, it's going to, it's going to get them to where they need to go next. Yeah. And you know, I've had plenty of actors sit across the table from me where I know they're going to, they're going to work. They'll probably make a lot of money, but life's too short for me to work with that <laughs> and I, I won't like do that. it anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's a, there's a lot. And again, like I said, this business is not, if, if, if I was back in the sports business, it would just all be about their numbers. It'd be all about their stats. This is different. So for me, it's about, it's not just me having to work with them every day, but when they go in a room, how is the casting director going to react? Then when they get to meet the producer and the director and other actors, how are they all, all going to react to this person? How, what is their work ethic like? When they, when, you know, when the director says cut and we're going to wrap for the day, do they go out and get wasted on the set? Like, you know, at dinner? Mm -hmm. And then they see all of that side of them. 
it, it's, there's a lot that goes into this business. And for me, because I don't sign a lot of people, I want to work with the people who get it. And I don't expect everybody to get it right away because like I said, there's no school to yeah. learn what it is. And, and what I choose to sign, it could be very different than what an, another manager or another agent chooses to sign. Mm-hmm. Which is why people shouldn't like, well, if you can't take one, no, you, you probably just shouldn't be here, but <laughs> absolutely <laughs> just because good you call. know, you have a good meeting doesn't mean that it could have been a great meeting. It just yeah. might have not been a person for you. And yep. uh, I'm sure you've had to tell people too that like, you know, you probably, do you have to tell people like, I have someone very similar to you on my roster already. Correct. Because I get that a lot. Yeah. I will say, and I'm probably going to get condemned for this. Okay, great. Love that. <laughs> but it's okay because I don't care. That's a cop-out. Oh, okay. That's a cop-out answer because... I'll be the first person to tell you that I've used it before because it is an easy out. It's it's just Mm -hmm. an easy way to get rid of somebody and not hurt their feelings. And, you know, because no actor wants to, you know, be at a place where they feel like there's a lot of people that compete against them and they want to feel special and all that. But we have, our agency has about 150 clients. We've got six agents, about 150 clients. And sure, there's going to be people who are going to be similar. Right. And I'll just use a very stereotypical, just very easy, just for sake of, of an example. Sure, we've got five guys that are Latin and play 30 to 35. Mm-hmm. And they're all leading men, let's just say. Every single one of those guys is an individual. And if you know them, I know if this one guy is getting a callback and the other two are not, I know exactly why. Yeah. Because I know my clients. And so even though, sure, we can put them in a little funny box that says, they're leading men, Hispanic, 30 to 35, with X amount of credits. I, I can picture the breakdown services boxes right, right now. Right? So you can put them in that box. But that's a cop-out. Because I can tell you exactly why X actor is getting a callback or Y actor, or why all three of them are. They're, all three are going to get a shot, but... When they get in that room, they are so different as people that just because they might have something similar, it, it's a cop-out. Yeah. No actors are really the same. Really. We're all snowflakes. We're, we are We are all <laughs> snowflakes. But I, I, and I say that with, and I, and I believe it wholeheartedly. When, it, when an agent or a manager says, oh, I have too many, I just signed someone just like you. Really? I know. Every time I, every, and, uh, this happened to me once or twice now, and I'm like, well, that's interesting. I don't think uh, Sam Valentine's on your roster right now. I don't know if you. <laughs> exactly. So, and, and that is, and, and look, take it as a compliment in a way to where they're like, you know what? I don't know that I can do the job for you. Oh, yeah. And that's a compliment in itself, and I'll tell you why. Because if they just took you and didn't think they could do the job for you, you're doing yourself a disservice. And, they they just don't want to, yeah, ruffle any feathers, hurt anybody's feelings, whatever. But if someone asks me specifically, I'll give them the answer. And I've gotten to a place now in the business. I've been here a long time. And I had to play the game when I was younger, you know, where you have to kind of play the corporate game. And so you can't really make anybody mad. But now the business is so hard to get a job. It's so hard for 
an agent or a manager to even get an audition for a client, much less than for the client to get the job, that there's no point in not being honest. Because if we're not honest with you, you're not going to move ahead. I'm not going to be able to get you a job. And then what are we doing? Right. So I always say to my actors, let me be honest with you. Please take it with a grain of salt. Please have a thick skin because you have to have one to be in this business and know that I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to put you down. Please don't take it that way because all we have to do is figure out how to change it and we're going to move forward. Mm-hmm. But if you don't, if you want to put blinders on and think that everything you're doing is right and perfect and you don't want to hear the bad things, then we can continue in that world and never book a job. <laughs> yeah, and never make money. And I did that already. And I'm not <laughs> going to do that anymore. So now I will tell you, look, this cast director is not a fan. We don't know why. It's a personal, maybe you look like their ex-girlfriend. Who knows? Yes. It could be something as silly as that. And who cares? Don't take it personal. Let's figure out how to win the room. Let's figure out how to win them. Or let's just not read for them for a while. There's mm-hmm. plenty of casting directors. There's plenty of other jobs. And it just takes one. So you know what? We'll give that one a break for a little while. Because they're not a fan. They're not going to push for you. So why waste your time? Let's just move on. No big deal. I've had literal situations where a girl went in just with the wrong outfit. And all we did was figure out how to change the outfit they, that she wore. Changes her vibe. Changes her energy. Changes her look. And all of a sudden, she started booking. But if an actress is not willing to hear, that outfit didn't work for you. We need to find something else. Mm-hmm. We need to put a little bit more makeup on you because on screen, when they taped you, you looked washed out. You didn't. The camera didn't pick you up the way we needed it to. It's simple as things like that. And if you can literally take it as, so what? I mean, I that's, let's just put some makeup on your face. Let's that's put some the curls best. in your hair. I let's would just love change that. From jeans to let's put a skirt on. Oh, see, I would love that because that's the easiest. It's not like, hey, you're a really bad actor. It's like, yeah. hey, like here's an instruction yeah. booklet of how to yeah. fix this. That's that's amazing. And that is what it's hard to get specific feedback sometimes these days because casting directors don't want that on them, feeling like you know, yeah, but. If you have an agent or you have a manager who's been in the business a long time who can off the record have conversations with these casting directors or producers or whoever to get at least something. Mm-hmm. Something useful too. Something useful. Sometimes it's and like. And so I have to pry. Like I will have to pry because they'll go, she was fine. And yeah. I'm like, what does that mean? And I'll tell you the difference. So Sarah Mornell and I have had this conversation mm-hmm. because – she works with a lot of actors who helps them put themselves on tape. And I never really understood when a casting director would tell me she was fine. Like I can't give you, like she wasn't bad. She wasn't, but here, I'm going to give you the answer. You guys, this is like, this is high level hot tips here. (laughs) But I'm telling you, it took a long time for me to figure this out before there was self tape. Okay. Oh, because you could then you could see the audition tape. I was in the business for a long time before there was ever self tapes. You had to take their feedback for what it was worth. Oh my God, I can't imagine not. I feel like I do self-tapes like six times a week. <laughs> so, and, th- and that feedback always frustrated me because I couldn't help my client. I couldn't, I, I couldn't, there was nothing I could do to help them, you know? And 
the very first time that the self-tape became a thing to where they were actually saying, pre-reads are, are we're not doing pre-reads. They're all going to be self-tapes. We want X, Y, Z, A, B, C to self-tape. So now I've got six clients that are going to send in a self-tape for the same exact role. Send them in. We need it in by this day. So here comes that, that day comes in and now we're getting all the self-tapes in. It's the same role, same material, six different actors. And I hit play and I watch. And I watch the first one. I'm like, oh, that's a really good audition. Great. Second one I'll watch and I'm like, eh, all right, she needs to do this. Her pacing was too slow. She really obviously didn't watch the show, so she needs to pick that up. Da, da, da. Let's change her hair. Let's do that. Okay, great. Third one comes in. Okay, that's a different take on it. Not like the other ones, but it's a different choice. Okay, sure. And then the fourth one I, I click on and I'm like, it's fine. And I can't figure out, like I legitimately just watch it and go, I can't tell you anything bad about it because mm-hmm. there was nothing bad about it. I can't tell you anything amazing about it because it didn't pop. It didn't stand out. It was just fine. And all of a sudden it hit me that fine means it's fine. Exactly what that is. It was fine. You did what, exactly what you were supposed to do. You made a choice. You did it. But there was nothing there that popped up the, the screen that was special, that was unique to you, that you did, that made you stand out from the rest. And I'm just watching six tapes. So imagine if a casting director right. has 50 people coming in for the day, there's going to be a lot of just fine. Why? <laughs> because they're just coming in and just doing what's on the doing page. The page. Mm-hmm. And they're not wrong because there isn't, it's not bad. Yeah. They can't say, oh, she wasn't prepared. Oh, she didn't look good. Oh, she, because those are all just kind of very typical surfacey things. Mm-hmm. But if you, if there wasn't that moment, that look, that gaze, that thing in your eye, that, that reaction that was just in a facial expression that someone else didn't do, it just was fine. Mm-hmm. And as, as a manager, as an agent, we never got to see that stuff. So we could never really understand what that meant. And it was frustrating. And now I get it. And now I can tell if my client did homework. Because if you just gave them what's on the page, and don't get me wrong, television really is like give them what's on the page. But you've got to give them what's on the page and bring something to it. Especially with a self-tape, because I feel like you get a little... You can do you get it for, some time. You can do it for like six hours if you so choose. Exactly. Like you can literally do it 17 yeah. times. You can do it until you yeah. hate it. And that's my... Yeah. I mean, I, lo- I like loathe and love self-tapes at the same time because you can... I can do it as many times as I want or like I get them in there. It's like the worst time possible. And I'm like, now I have to find time to make myself look good in this time period. Yep. But you're in full control. But this is the other thing that actors, most actors, it's going to take them a little time to learn this in a self-tape. You go to acting class, you go to acting school, you, you know, you graduated, whatever. And you learn one thing about acting. That is how you would do it if you booked the job. Yes. 100% different. So going back to the conversation that Sarah Mornell and I had, because she's a very, 
she's teaching you how to, well, originally, mm-hmm. after before we had this conversation, because she's an actress herself and a very good actress. Mm-hmm. And so she's teaching the actor how to play that character. If you Beautiful that acting. Mm-hmm. Beautiful acting. And I'll never forget the day that we went on a hike and we had this conversation and it hit her. Like, I said, Sarah, I want to show you the tape that you helped the client do and I want to show you the tape of the client who got the job and it's going to freak you out because your actor did it exactly the way if he got that job, what he would do on that set and he would have been brilliant. But he didn't stand out because it was too understated and it was too real to stand out from the 50 other tapes or the 100 other tapes that they got. And so the audition process, the self-tape process, is a little bit unrealistic to what you would do if you got that job. And you have to change that in your brain a little bit. Because yeah. if you got that, if you if you got an audition to play the drug addict, like you didn't leave your you, you didn't leave your room for, you know, you're depressed and you didn't leave your room for seven days and that was what the character was on a TV series, the lead of a TV series and Yeah, I know all about these. <laughs> Definitely you, not my casting. <laughs> and then you played that on your self tape, you're not gonna get that job and I'll tell you why. Because this is the lead of a pilot and shows television is all run by advertising, network TV anyway. Mm-hmm. And they want to be able to picture what you're going to look like on that billboard when they're selling it. So if you go in that audition looking like the drug addict girl who had left her room for seven days, you're not going to get the job. So you have to somehow figure out how to look like what you would look like on that billboard when they're trying to sell that show and still play the drug, drugged out chick. Oh, that's very interesting. And it's network TV. And when you go in a test, they want you full on looking like this is who's going to stand there at our TCAs and sell our product. And it's really hard for an actor to switch that in their brain. But, but I'm a drug addict and I haven't left my room. And in the scene, it says I'm supposed to be in sweats. That's not what you put on that tape. It takes a long time for, for you to be able to switch that part in your brain. To be able to say, I still have to look like what they, because they're not creative enough to imagine you full face makeup, full hair, and an awesome outfit on that billboard. Because the big money people aren't usually the creative people. Nope. Nope. And so there's that aspect of it as well. That is so So interesting. So there's a whole, truly, there's a science to self-taping. There's a science to auditioning. Because auditioning, and I think auditioning is definitely the hardest part of everything. Because you're it, built to fail. It's way it's harder. It's the worst. <laughs> it's way harder than booking the job and actually doing the job. Yes, because once you're in the job, yeah. everything well, because is there. If you miss one little mark in that audition, you don't get the job. Yes. If you miss a mark when you get the job, then you're just going to get a redirect, and you're, and you're going to fix it in two seconds. In an audition, they won't even redirect you barely these days. Oh, no. They, they want you time. to come in and be that person. And so there, there really is a science to not being completely over the top to where it's so, you're watching it and it feels fake, but you got to stand out. 
So you have to find that fine line for you. What works for you? And sometimes that just means pulling in tighter in a self-tape to where you really are just truly seeing just your face. Mm-hmm. So I'm so focused on your facial expressions that I'm not being diverted to your striped shirt you have on and the little speck on the wall behind you. And sometimes that works for people. Sometimes it works to pull back. Every actor is different. Mm-hmm. To pull back because maybe your subtle, your subtle movements and your reactions are more in your body, not just in your face. So it, sometimes it works better for you that way. You've got to figure out what works. And you have to really utilize your manager and your agent for that because they get to see a lot of self-tapes. So they can compare yours to others and help you figure out what works best to where you stand out. And I'm telling you, I've seen now, I understand what fine means. I get a lot of tapes that are fine. And I'll tell you what, I don't send those fine tapes anymore. I was just going to ask you that. So this is, and this, and this is why. So if I got requested six actors... Obviously, they're similar enough to be all going out for the same role, right? And, of course, they're different. Because I told you, my actors are all different. Personalities are different. Heights are different. Looks are different. They all might be leading people, but they're different. They're, you know, their energy is different. When those tapes come in, and I've got to send links for all six of those people at the same time, if one of them falls short to the other five or two of them fall short to the other four, it's not doing them any favors, And so then they're just not going to get requested the next time. The other four will, and they won't. Do you tell them? Absolutely. Awesome. Because if you give me time to watch it, where I can give you time to reshoot it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then we're great because I can tell you, this is what didn't work. Fix this. Change this. Can you reshoot it in the next two hours because it's due? And if you can do that, or if you said it to me the night before, I'll watch it the night before. It, let's let's have time to, to get the right one in. Yeah. But if you send it to me right right at that last the moment. The deadline, 10 a.m. on Tuesday. 10 a.m. on Tuesday. <laughs> and I just got four other auditions and I watch yours and yours is clearly the bottom of just my five. Imagine the 25 they're going to get and then the at 25 least. more that they're going to yeah. get. And then if you're not even beating my five, it's yeah. not doing you any favors. So with that being said, since you've seen so much self-tape, let's talk about demo reels. Ooh, such a tease. That's where I'm going to stop for this half of my interview with Monica. We pick this up and we go over a whole lot more in the next episode. Make sure you're subscribed. It is going to come out Thursday as a special two-part series. I also wanted to acknowledge to you guys, I told you guys I actually do this whole podcast in my kitchen. So if you'll notice, the audio quality isn't always perfect. Thank you for your patience. I am learning to make it even better every time. And I wanted to announce to you guys the winner of the mystery box. I drew. I literally printed off pieces of paper and drew a name out of a hat. Um, So thank you so much for those of you who entered. And I don't know if you can hear that, but Mitzi Marshall you are the winner of the mystery box. So I am going to reach out to you via email and uh, get your address and stuff, and I'll put that in the mail soon. Um, Please rate and review the podcast, guys. Follow me on Instagram at OneBrokeActress. And, of course, don't forget to log on to OneBrokeActress.com. Lots going on there as well. And I will talk to you on Thursday. See you soon. (laughs) 